welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. So we're going to read on a little bit here. Acts chapter 4 says in verse 1, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were really disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. And they arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000, not counting women and children. Now that's a good day at church. When you are talking about Jesus and people are giving their lives to him, that's a good day at church. Even if these dudes got arrested and thrown in jail. That kind of makes it even funner. The Bible here says that it was the the priests and the temple guard and the Sadducees that showed up. It was the religious people that showed up and didn't like that Peter and John were talking about uh, Jesus being resurrected from the dead and how there's life in the name of Jesus. Now, the Sadducees um, were a group of um, Jews that did not believe in uh, the resurrection of the dead. You hear a lot in the New Testament about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed some stuff. The Sadducees were much more strict, and they didn't believe that anybody was raised from the dead. They didn't believe that when you died, you'd go anywhere. They didn't believe that, that uh, if you'd given your life to Jesus, you'd go to heaven. They didn't believe any of that stuff. They didn't believe that anybody was raised from the dead. And so when Peter and John are standing up, and this crazy miracle has just happened, and Peter and John are talking about, hey, this happened because Jesus, who you crucified and God raised from the dead again, uh, brought healing and health and wholeness and life. This is what happened. They didn't like that. So the religious people, the teachers in the temple, the temple guard, yes, there was temple police. Temple police. We don't have temple police. We don't have church police, do we? No, we don't have church police. We have no church police. You're not going to look around and see somebody flash you a badge and be like, hey, uh, I work here. I'm the police. So check the badge. Also, you're in my row. You're in my chair. It's my gun. Keep an eye on you. Praise the Lord like you're supposed to. Get those hands up higher. Praise him. So these guys show up. It's already past the time when they would convene a council and talk to Peter and John about what they had done. So they decide to throw them in jail overnight. Next day in verse 5, it says, The council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded this. By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? I love this because it's a rhetorical question. Peter says, do you want to know how he was healed? 
Because if you want to know, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. These are the Sadducees. These are the temple police. These are the, the high priests. They're all here. All these people, they're all here to, to, to judge Peter and John. They all think Peter and John are in trouble. They're all upset with Peter and John. And Peter says to them, do you want to hear the truth? Do you want to hear the truth? You want me to tell you? Let me, in verse 10, clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this guy was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the guy that you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Verse 11 says this, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scripture where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in nobody else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Can we just pause here for a second? These guys are upset with Peter and John. Peter says, do you want me to tell you? Do you want me to tell you the truth? Here's the truth. The guy that you crucified, that Jesus rose from the dead, he is by whose name we've done this miracle. And let me go on further and say to you this. He says, I'm going to quote to you scripture. I'm going to quote to you what the psalm says. And the psalm says, the stone that you builders rejected have now become the chief cornerstone. Cornerstones don't have a ton of meaning in our society anymore. When we build things, we don't really generally have cornerstones. We have ceremonial cornerstones. But when people are building houses or buildings, we don't use a lot of masonry. We don't use a lot of blocks. Let me tell you what a cornerstone was. Can you put that slide up, Cheryl? It says this. This is a cornerstone. It is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this one stone. And it determines the position of the entire structure. Did you get that? So Peter and John say, Jesus is now the cornerstone. What does that mean for you and me? The cornerstone is the one that they put in place and everything else is defined by this one stone. Its position, how it's built, where it's built, which way it's facing, all of those things are defined by this one stone. And Peter and John say, Jesus is the cornerstone. Here's what that means for you and me. It means for you and me, in our life, Jesus is the one who you guide your life by. You look at his words. You listen to what he says. You invite him into your life to allow him to talk to you about the things you're going through. And you build your house. You build yourself. You build your life based off those things that he has said. Jesus is your cornerstone, not your job. Not your spouse, not your mom and dad, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, not your heritage, not your past, not the location where you were born. All those things that we tend to let define us and say, this is who I am. When you give your life to Jesus, Jesus now becomes your cornerstone and you build on him. And then he goes on and says this. 
12 said there's no salvation in anybody else. Now, you got to remember, when, when Peter and John were talking, when this was taking place, the Jews were still waiting on the Messiah. And at this point in the book of Acts, Peter and John are talking to Jews. And Peter says, there's nobody else coming. Jesus was the one. There's nobody else coming. Quit waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah was here. He was crucified. He rose from the dead again. And now he's in heaven at the right hand of our Father. And you need to make him the cornerstone in your life, which you are building your life upon. Peter says, there ain't nobody else coming. It's him. And I tell you today, boy, you guys are serious looking today. Whew. Man, Alicia, let's go back upstairs to our class. Let's get you and Jacob and Beth and Caitlin. We'll go up. We were having a class this morning, our next class, and it was great. People were talking and they were smiling. You guys are not smiling, and you are, you are. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Every day that we move forward in history, society is slowly falling farther and farther away from the morals and values that we base our life off. And there is coming time when not just the preacher, not just the preacher's family, but everybody who calls Jesus their Lord and Savior is going to have to start standing up and saying, listen, I know you think that that tree will save your soul, the tree outside that you love to stare at every day and you just think that nature is amazing and lets us all love nature or you think that Buddha will save you or you think that um, anything else. I can't begin to tell you the amount of amazing conversations I've had with people about things that they thought would bring them salvation in their life. But here's the fact of the matter. None of it is true. And it's going to take each and every one of us at some point when you're talking to somebody and they say, hey, you know, that's great for you. It's great that you believe in Jesus, but I believe in broad grass leaves. Those, those broad grass leaves are going to save me. They're just so full and so full of life. Look at their color. Look at their essence. Let's smell them. Let's touch them. Let's feel them. Okay, that's weird, man. I'm going to tell you the truth because I like you, my friend. That's weird. That's not going to save you. And in fact, the only thing that will save you is Jesus Christ. At some point in your life, you've got to be prepared to open up your mouth and say those words. Because the last thing Jesus said was go into all the world and make disciples. If you just walk around accepting everybody else and never challenging them on what they believe, you will never uh, lead them to Jesus. And you will never help make disciples of them because you're allowing them to continue to walk in darkness. And didn't we just sing a song? And don't you read in the Bible about how Jesus is the one who destroys the darkness and brings light everywhere he goes? I think we did. Yes, we did. Yeah, okay. Well, that's exciting. That's exciting news, Brendan. Brendan, you may be at work one day, buddy, and you're going to have crazy conversations, and people are going to be like, you're going to be putting up boards and slapping up drywall and tape, and you're going to be like smeared it all around, and you're going to start having conversations at work one day, and tell you what, man, Here's what I love, is if you back it up, and it's not just Peter talking of his own accord, is it? 
Is it? Getting fired up. It's getting hot and sweaty up here. Verse 8 says, then Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. And as he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he opens his mouth and begins to speak from the Spirit of God to these people's hearts and lives. You want to know the truth? Well, let me begin to tell you the truth. And that Holy Spirit begins to work through him and begins to bring revelation and begins to bring truth. And the Bible talks about how the Word of God separates There should be separation conversations taking place in your life. When you're talking to people, they are forced to choose either their own way of thinking or they're forced to choose the way of the cross. Okay, okay, fine. Let's keep moving on. Let's keep moving on. Members of council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John because they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. This quite possibly could be two of my favorite verses in the entire New Testament. They were amazed when Peter and John were talking because they could tell by looking at them, they could tell by listening to them that they were not like the council that they were in front of. They weren't wearing fancy clothes. They didn't have manicured hands and feet. They didn't have nicely done hair. They hadn't gone to school. They didn't know all the right words to use when they were talking about certain things. When they looked at Peter and John, they could see the calluses on their hands. They could see their clothes were probably a little bit dirty, and they could tell that these guys did not have their doctoral theses done on the eschatological properties of Jesus going to heaven. But what they could tell by looking at these guys is that they had been with Jesus. And here's why I love these two verses. Because you can find yourself smack dab in that verse. Maybe you didn't go to school. Maybe you're standing at work putting up drywall. Maybe you are at school. Maybe you are making frozen yogurt. Maybe you're building houses. Maybe you're in school. Maybe you're throwing sod down on the ground and you look around and you've got mud all over you. Your hands are caked in that gross clay mud and it's not coming off and it's under your nails and somebody begins to talk to you about Jesus and somebody begins to talk to you about your life and they can look at you and see, man, this guy, he looks messy but there's something about him. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you have your own business. Maybe you're in high school. Maybe you don't do anything. Maybe you play Fortnite all day long. Whatever your situation is, you can still find yourself in this verse. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John because they could see they were ordinary guys. You don't have to be polished up, fancy, all shiny to be used by Jesus. What he's looking for is people that will open their mouth And say the words that his spirit puts inside of you at the moment those words are put inside of you. And you'll know. I can hear your thoughts right now. Well, how do we know when it's God's thoughts, God's words, and not my own? You'll know. 
Because most likely, you wouldn't want to say them on your own accord. And here's the thing. If when the Holy Spirit puts those words inside of you and you begin to feel that gentle nudge of the Spirit saying, open your mouth, say this, say this, say this, and it just won't go away, and you open your mouth and you begin to say the words that God is filling your mouth with, transformation and life begins to take place the moment you do that. He is prompting you because there is something that he is wanting to work inside of the people that you're dealing with. And guess what? Jesus said, I've got to go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit down. And when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, it's better for everybody because it's like I'm everywhere now. I'm inside of you and I'm inside of Sloan. I'm inside of Justin. And wherever you're at, I can work in those conversations. I can work in those relationships. Open your mouth and let the Spirit of God begin to flow through you. They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the guy who was healed, in verse 14, standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. They couldn't dispute the fact that this guy was healed. They told Peter and John to leave the room. And they began to talk amongst themselves. They said in verse 16, what are we going to do with these guys? We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. Everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. I want to tell you this. I believe that we are moving into a time and a day and age where God is wanting to work and move, and it's signs where everybody in Jerusalem is going to know about it. Everybody in your family is going to know about it. Everybody in your world is going to know about it. Everybody in the Fraser Valley is going to know about it. Everybody in your city is going to know about what God is doing in your midst. Thanks. <laughs> I was having a conversation this week. Talking about somebody, with somebody, about the circumstances in their life. And as we began to talk, I began to get more and more excited because this person's life, they're is seemingly insurmountable odds stacked against them. And I said, do you know, I said, man, I said, if God just began to work in that situation, if God began to move in that situation, if those people began to open their hearts and their lives to what God is wanting to do, and if you put the, if God put the words in your mouth and you began to say them, and we began to see God move, do you know what would happen? Do you know, do you guys, maybe you don't do this, but do you sit around and think about things like why we have church and what church is supposed to look like? And do you think about things like, man, I would love to see this place filled with people. Not to be filled with people, but so that the word of God is going forward and lives are being transformed and changed and people are being healed and set free and people are sitting way back there by Ryan, as far away as you can get. Ryan's a sound guy. He's way up there in the dark. You can't even see him yet. He's back there. And they're sitting way up there by Ryan. And as they sit up there, the spirit of God 
who is everywhere, begins to move and bring healing and wholeness in their life. He begins to break out over there and over there and back there and in that corner and that corner. God is wanting to do something. And here's the question. Are you on board? I am. He's wanting to work. He's wanting to roll up his sleeves and get down to business. Verse 17. They couldn't do anything because this guy that was healed, I think he was probably tap dancing and putting on a show at the moment. I'm just so excited his legs were working. So these guys said, you know what we're going to do? To keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we're going to tell them not to speak to anybody in Jesus' name again. Like, we don't want you going out. You can go out and talk about whatever you want. Go talk about the fruit. Go talk about Moses. You can talk about Abraham. You can talk about the prophets. But we do not want you talking about Jesus. So they call them back in in verse 18. And they commanded them, commanded them, wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a, hey, I feel like this is what you should do. The word used in the Bible here is they commanded them, saying, we have authority over you, and we are telling you to do this. Peter and John reply, and this, this is a great question. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Spoiler, the answer is always no. You need to obey God in your life at all times. And it's great. See, he asked this question to religious leaders and to a council where he knows the answer is going to be, well, of course, you need to obey the voice of God. They couldn't say anything but, no, you need to obey God. He tricked them. He got them right where he wants them. And then this is probably my favorite verse in the New Testament. Peter says, because... We can't help but talk about the things that we have seen and the things that we have heard. And when I read this scripture, I was thinking about Peter. I was thinking about his brother Andrew. I was thinking about James. I was thinking about John. They were fishermen. And if you go back to Luke chapter 5, there's a story about Jesus and he's down at the Sea of Galilee and it's hot, rocky, and Jesus is on the shore. The Bible says there's a big crowd pressing around him. There's people pushing on him. People wanting to hear what he's got to say. 
And Jesus finds himself, you know how you do when, when you've got close talkers and you've got people who are really up in your face and they want to talk to you. What do you do? You keep backing up. You keep backing up, trying to give yourself some distance so you can not talk to them this far away. And you want to see their eyes when you're talking to them. Jesus keeps backing up. And finally, he finds himself down at the water's edge. And he finds himself beside these fishermen's boats. The Bible says that the fishermen are there beside the boat. They're cleaning their nets. They've done. They've been out all night long fishing, the Bible says. And they're done. They're tired. They're exhausted. They're out there washing their nets in the water. And they're getting ready to go home and go to bed. And Jesus sees this boat, sees this opportunity to back up because most people, unless they're crazy, are not going to follow them into the water. So Jesus gets in the boat and he says, hey, can you guys just push me out a little bit so that I can talk to these people and they can't get up in my face and they can hear what I've got to say and I can look at all their eyes and I can look at the needs and I can meet those needs and I can preach and I can tell them what God is. Happens to be Peter's boat. So Peter gets in the boat, rows him out a little way. Bible says that Jesus finishes talking to these people and he says to Peter, let your, note, let, your, let your net down on the other side of the boat. Peter says, we were out here fishing all last night, and we didn't catch a thing. All night we've been out here working. We haven't caught anything. He says, but at your word, with you telling me to, I'm going to do what you said. The Bible says that Peter throws his net over the boat and begins to reel it in, and there is so much fish in this net that the net is breaking apart and he hauls it into his boat and there's so much fish in his boat that his boat is almost sinking and he begins to call to his friends who happen to be James and John. And they're like, guys, get over here. We're sinking. We've got too much fish. We were out all night long fishing, didn't catch a thing. And now we've put this net down because this guy told us to and suddenly our boat's about to sink. Get over here as fast as you can. So James and John get in their boat, fire up the engine. They mow over there as fast as they can. They're, they're taking fish from, from um, Peter and Andrew's boat, and they're putting it in James and John's boat. They're like, well, this is crazy. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Ah! Could you imagine how crazy? The Bible says they get back to shore, and they immediately left their nets and their boats and follow Jesus. That was one of Peter's first encounters. So when Peter and John are in the temple, and in verse 20 of chapter 4, also, side note, I really tried hard to name our youth and young adults at one time, 420, did not happen. Is not allowed. When Peter and John say, do you want us to obey you or do you want us to obey God? Because we can't stop talking about the things that we've seen and we heard. In my mind, I think Peter was thinking back through all those years, those three and a half years that he spent with Jesus, starting that day in the boat, when he saw firsthand God, Jesus, 
began to miraculously move in his life over and over and over. I think he was thinking about the times that he saw Jesus pray for dead people who came back to life. I think he was thinking about the times when they were out there and they had five loaves and two fish and they just kept breaking apart and they fed all those people. I think he was thinking about the time when that naked dude was running around the cemetery full of a thousand demons and he was possessed and Jesus just said, get out of them. And all of a sudden that guy was healed and set free and found himself in Jesus' boat, cleaned up, wanted to go hang out with Jesus. I think Peter was thinking through a montage with music playing in the background in his head of all those times that he had seen Jesus move. And he says to that council, with all the boldness, with all the strength of the Holy Spirit behind him, he says, I don't know about you, but I'm going to listen to God, and I can't stop talking about the things that I have seen and that I have heard. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.